Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Well, good afternoon, dear friends. Today I wanted to address a question that I think many people misunderstand or perhaps are unwilling to confront. Spoken plainly, the question is this. If God loves us and God has saved us, why does he allow us to go through suffering and tribulations? I think that's a very important question that each of us must answer as we are experiencing various degrees of tribulation and suffering under the current shutdown, stay-at-home orders due to the coronavirus pandemic. I think in answering this question, we need to first answer a more fundamental and more basic question, which is this. What are tribulations? Now, the Luonida Greek Dictionary says that tribulations, very simply, are those things that cause pain. Now, your pain could be emotional or physical. It doesn't specify. A tribulation is anything that causes pain. It could be a longing that is unfulfilled or a physical ailment that you must endure. Tribulations are most often brought about in our lives by external circumstances. You didn't plan or intend for this pain to occur. You, in some sense, are an innocent bystander in the circumstance or the tribulation or the pain has come into your life, much to your shock, awe, and often dismay. In the course of life, pain happened. There are many different types of pain that we experience. It could be something as dramatic as the death of a loved one or a close friend. It could be the loss of a job. It could be broken relationships due to sin or a lack of repentance. You could experience pain and tribulation because of physical persecution, because you've taken a stand for God's truth. And many of you watching this today are experiencing tribulations that you never thought would come due to the shutdown caused by COVID-19. Dreams, goals, and desires that you've been looking forward to have all been put on hold, and some of them may never be achieved or realized. You, my friend, are going through a time of tribulations. And if we had time, we could all name many other causes of tribulations in our lives. One thing is for sure, some sufferings and tribulations are not new and they are not uncommon. Ever since Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, the human race has suffered the innumerable consequences of sin. And my friends, we need to understand that sin and the effects of sin, the curse of sin upon creation, is what has, in a general sense, brought tribulation 
into our lives. Now, the vast majority of us are a peace and comfort loving people. When we are in a tribulation or when we are experiencing suffering, our goal is to get over and to get out of the suffering as quickly as possible. And if it were up to us, we would avoid suffering altogether. And in fact, many of us, if we're completely and totally honest, avoid suffering by any means necessary. Here's some examples. They're a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I think that you'll understand where I'm going with this. Suffering. Do you have weeds to pull out of your garden or around your landscaping on a hot summer day? No, I don't want to do that. Let's call the neighbor boy and have him do it, or the neighbor girl and have him, her do it. Do you need to lose weight to improve your health? Has there, your doctor told you that that's an important thing for you? Instead of doing the hard work and suffering of exercising and eating correctly, Americans, by and large, seek a diet pill or other quick solution. What about this type of suffering? Do we want to take the gospel to the remotest parts of the earth? Here's my money. Send someone else who's more fit for the work. Don't send me. I can't suffer that way. Here's my money. Let somebody else go do this work. Due to our tendency to avoid suffering. In fact, we have a great skill at being good at avoiding suffering. When tribulations do come into our lives, when pain happens to us, often our first thought is, how can I make this stop? Our next thought is often this, why is this happening to me? God, this seems really unfair. Why did you do this to me, God? Finally, our third response to tribulation and suffering is often some form of grumbling or complaining or throwing a pity party, poor me, and praying to God to take away our suffering. I would suggest that we as the church in America, the church in the Western world, perhaps even believers in other countries, we have an ingrained attitude of ungratefulness towards tribulations. How then do we begin to process and think about a verse or a passage like Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, specifically verse 3. Listen to what Paul says in this great declaration of our justification by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. As a believer, 
And based on this passage, how then should I think about my tribulations? What is God trying to do? What is his purpose in providing tribulations for me? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do in beginning to answer this question is that we need to get our minds around the right kind of boasting. Yes, the right kind of boasting. And you might be saying, wait a minute, my Bible doesn't say boast. Where did you come up with that? How did that word get into the title of your message? Well, the Greek word that is commonly translated boast in the New Testament is used in this passage, Romans chapter 5, in verses 2, 3, and 11. The New American Standard Bible translates this word as exalt, while the ESV, the NIV, and the Christian Standard Bible all say rejoice. Now, why, when those translations use exalt or rejoice, do I think that the word boast is a good choice for you and I? I think Paul's using a play on words in this particular passage. He's using a play on words. If you were to go back to chapter 2, Paul talks about the Jew and how the Jew boasted in his works before God, boasted that he was righteous before God because of his heritage, his adherence to the law, his confidence that he was pleasing to God and others were unpleasing to God. And so here is the play on words where the Jew boasted in himself and in his own glory we as believers have an object of boasting that is totally about God, from God, and to God. Sinful boasting is one of those traits that is hard to accept. It is an undesirable trait, and it's unappealing when we see it in others, and we are personally ashamed when we find that we ourselves have boasted. Boasting is seeking your own glory and placing supreme confidence in your own abilities. Those who are self-righteous boast about their works before the Lord. They boast about their works before men, and they think that because of their good deeds, God will look favorably upon them, and they will enter into his kingdom. And so Paul, in an earlier chapter of Romans, as I've already mentioned, decries. He puts down. He denigrates. He admonishes those who would have this sinful boasting. And yet here, he tells the believer that they are to boast. Well, how can the believer boast in a way that is glorifying to God? Well, there is a righteous boasting. And this is the interesting play on words. Paul talks about this righteous boasting. A righteous boast is a boast whose object is not oneself and one's ability, but whose object is God and God's work. Well, what works are we to be looking at? Here in Romans chapter 5, we can see clearly how the believer can boast in God's work. In verse 2, what are we boasting in? We are boasting in hope of the glory of God. 
In verse 3, we are boasting in our tribulations. In verse 11, we are boasting in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ has reconciled us to God because he was put to death on behalf of us. He was raised by the power of God, and he alone is the mediator between God and man. And he has taken two enemies and brought them together again. Paul would summarize this particular category of boasting in another book that he wrote to the church at Corinth when he says this, Let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Now the object of the believer's boast is God and the work that God did in our salvation and the work that God is continuing to do to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Righteous boasting is that boasting that says, I will make God famous. I will boast about God's work. I will boast about God because he saved me by a mighty power. He did something for me that I couldn't do on my own. Our boasting, the believer's boasting, is not self-glory, rather It brings glory to God. Therefore, the second step to thinking about tribulations correctly is to see that God has a purpose in that tribulation for you. First, we need to learn how to boast right. Secondly, we need to see what God's greater purpose and plan is for us in these tribulations. Why should we boast? about them? Why? Because God has a purpose in them for us. God's goal for you is that you would become like his son, Jesus Christ. And we don't get to become like Jesus by enduring just one trial or tribulation. No, we become like Jesus because we go through a lifetime of tribulations. We experience a lifetime of trials, and these trials shape and mold us into Christ's image. And this is a process that we call sanctification. This brings us to the focus of our text in verse 3. Paul says, And not only this, but we also boast in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. These tribulations, these sufferings that we want to avoid, they will have a good result in us if we let them. But if we don't let them, They won't have the good result that God intended. Listen to these results of tribulations. Tribulations, the sufferings, the pain that you experience, brings about perseverance. Now, what is that? Perseverance is the quality of being able to bear up under difficult circumstances, of becoming persistent and steadfast. And Paul says that perseverance brings about proven character. 
Proven character is that quality whereby you are tested for purity. All right? It means to be tested, to be found pure. If you're a believer, you will be proven to be a believer by the testing of your faith. You will endure. You will persevere until the end. But tribulations often reveal false converts. You see, there are people who are present, who are there when things are easy, but when tribulation comes, they fall away. So tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character brings about hope. Hope is that unwavering trust and confidence in another person. And in this case, our hope is in God that he who began a good work of salvation in us will see it through all the way to completion. So we need to boast correctly that God who began the work will do the work. God will accomplish his purposes. And part of that is tribulations. Part of that is suffering so that I can become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Paul ties this thought together in Romans chapter 8, a passage that is often only partially quoted, but if we see the full picture, we see what God's greater purpose and desire is for us. And I'm sure Paul had this in his mind as he was writing those words back in chapter 5. Verse 28 of Romans 8, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become what? Conformed to the image of his Son. So God causes all things. You mean all the good things in life? Yes. What about all the bad things in life? Yes. God causes all things in life to be used that you might be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. How did God do this or how did God determine this? He did it because he called you to salvation and God justified you and God will also one day in the future glorify you. And that will be the ultimate result of our sanctification. Presently, we are in the process of growing more Christ-like. But one day in the future, we will be glorified. And there will be no more sufferings. There will be no more tribulations. There will be no more sadness. We won't be able to boast about it in heaven because it will be gone. That won't be the place nor the time for tribulations. You and I are undergoing the extraordinary circumstances of this shutdown. And because of that, we're all enduring a tribulation of one kind or another. I want to ask you to take a moment to reflect on these things. Are you letting this tribulation have God's intended result in your life? Are you growing in perseverance, character, and hope? I hope that you are. In addition to that, I want us to each be careful not to judge another person's tribulation. 
what might be suffering to me may not be suffering to you, and vice versa. Let us remember that we each stand before God as individuals, and it is before God that we stand or fall, and God is working a work in my life and in your life based on our maturity, our previous experiences, and what God wants us to learn through this particular trial. A final thought. Will you boast in a godly way about your tribulation so that you can be a testimony to the world? Did you ever think about that? I'm thankful that God brought this into my life. I'm thankful that this shutdown is happening. I'm thankful for all these things because, because God is making me more like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Do we have an eternal perspective on this temporary, momentary, light affliction? I pray that we do. My dear friends, if this tribulation doesn't change you for the better, if it doesn't conform you to the image of Jesus Christ, then my friend, you've wasted this trial. Please, I implore you, don't waste this trial. See God's good purpose in it for you. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. This uh, particular episode is actually the same as I have published on our church's Facebook and YouTube page. And there were some additional thoughts that I wanted to share relating to this topic, but I didn't want to have um, a podcast episode that had to refer to a, a non-podcast. So in other words, if you're listening to these podcasts sequentially, you should be able to get this one and then the follow-up one. Um, if you want to actually see this as a live performance, feel free to go to uh, youtube.com or Facebook and check out our church's page. That's the Grace Brethren Chapel. Thank you so much. May you be blessed.